I remember uh, having these glow sticks around my neck and on my wrist and like hanging from my ears and everything. Like every time I can get a glow stick, I just want one. Your kids are probably like that. It's just awesome. Like this thing glows, like this is incredible. And I remember this moment that, uh, that I was just so curious, like if, if this thing glows and it's inside this tube, then if, if I like put this in my body, like if I eat it, then I will glow. I was like, that's a legit thought. I was like, I'm doing it. So I just started biting on the edge of it, and uh, this, like, nasty, nasty stuff. It does not taste like Freezy Pops or Fruit Punch. You might think so, but it doesn't. It tastes like, like chlorine and, like, 409 or something. Don't ask me why I know uh, what chlorine and 409 taste like. But anyways, so I start eating this stuff, and I, like, I eat the, like, one around my neck, and then, like, I need more. So I start eating the other ones. And I remember this moment, like I could, I could kind of see like it would, it would drip on my shirt and like my shirt's glowing, so I must be glowing. Like, this is awesome. And I remember this moment, my mom just turns around and looks at me. She says three words, just cut me to the core. And it, your parents may have done this hopefully with three different words, but she would say this, Richard Aaron Collins? Like just, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like immediately I know I have done something wrong. Um, and in this moment, my mom just has like this teaching moment, okay, do not do this. She like starts like calling this uh, like poison hotline or something. Like I hope this does not poison my kids and kills them. Um, it, I'm I'm still alive to this day. So if your child's done it, they're okay. Um, I'm probably not right in the head. Maybe it like messed with the chemicals or something. I don't know. But uh, anyways, there there are these moments constantly throughout my childhood that my mom or dad would just have to pull me aside and just coach me and be like, "We don't do that." All right. As humans, we don't eat glow sticks, you know, like, or just in general, like me and my sister would get in fights and I'd maybe yell really loud or, or hit her, which don't do that. Um, I learned that the hard way. And uh, pull me aside. We don't do that, Aaron. Boys, we don't hit girls, okay? My dad would pull me aside and, and there was a lot of spankings involved. It really helped me uh, into feeling that pain and being like, all right, do not do that. Okay. Um, but, but these times constantly throughout my childhood, my mom and dad would just pull me aside. Aaron, we don't do that. As a Collins, okay, parents, you teach your kids whatever you want. But as a Collins, my mom and dad would say, Aaron, as a Collins, we don't do these things. And they would, they would teach me and coach me into the man that I am today. And what we find throughout scripture is that God does the same thing with his people. God does the same thing with the church, with the people that follow him. He's, they hit these moments in these walls and they're trying to follow him and then they do something wrong and he just coaches them. Hey, we don't do that. As, as Christians, as, as a follower of Jesus, hey, we don't do that. And there are these guidelines, these borders that God puts around. It's not because he's just bad and he doesn't want us to do good things. No, he's like, no, I know that this is gonna hurt you eventually. I know that this is the wrong way to live. I designed you, so I have a plan for your life. And when you do these things, they're outside of my plan. They're outside of my purpose for you. And this morning, we're going to be talking about um, that, that very thing, who God calls us, what he calls us to do, who he calls us to be as Christians, as followers of him. And uh, this story through First Peter, it's going to look a little bit different than what the world says we should be, because God is different um, in that aspect, many, many aspects. And through this series, we've had a couple of different speakers, which has been really awesome. The first one was Chris, the guy who just led worship, our pastor here at Venture. He talked about the first week about having different faith and trials. He also shared a little bit of the history of the book of 1 Peter, why it was written, the history behind it, who it was written to. If you really like getting that foundation of, of, of a book of the Bible, I really recommend you check that out on our podcast. Um, it's a good, uh, just, uh, good foundation of principles about this book. 
The second week, we had the pleasure of uh, listening to one of our very own Logan Penny. He's a volunteer here, also a student at UNCW, a very bright man. He talked about um, having different values in an unholy culture. Um, he talked about the word holy, and he talked about being set apart for God's purpose and why that's important in our life. It's a very good message. Uh, check that out if you missed it. And last week, we... Uh, have the opportunity to listen from Patrick. He's spoken here a couple times. He's our youth leader here at Venture Church, and um, he talked about having a different perspective and persecution, and not be surprised when those trials come. Don't be surprised when hardships come when you're trying to follow Jesus, because it creates friction, and we need to have a different perspective throughout of it. So in the book of 1 Peter, which we're going to be studying today and looking through to kind of cap off this series, Peter, the writer, says the word call calling or called like a significant number of times, like a lot of times. And all throughout the first chapter, all the way to the end, he talks about this word calling. And if you're, you're new to the church or you're just kind of getting uh, into uh, the Christian faith, you may hear this word and you may hear people say something like, I feel called to be a minister. Or I feel called to be a missionary. Or I feel called to be a nurse or a teacher or whatever that is. Basically, in our, our context this morning, called means like purpose or destiny. Like it's not a literal like, hey, God called me on the phone. It was like, hey, dude, you need to move to Wilmington. Like, okay, God. And like responded and then, thank you, Josh. You're so sweet. Now I have two cups of water. This is great. Um, it's probably like the little clicking sound. Like that's, that's totally my, my, my voice. You rock, dude. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. No, you're good. So we're talking about call, calling, or called. When you hear that word, think of purpose, think of destiny. And there are three general different types of calling that we see in Scripture. The first type of calling that we see is an eternal call to Christ. That first one, an eternal call to Christ. This is for everybody in existence. It is God's will that our Creator, God, that no one should perish, but that everyone through the extension of grace through Jesus, should have salvation in him, have eternal life. It is God's will to have an eternal call to Christ. And then Peter understood this very, very well because he had a moment with Jesus in the flesh. It's very, very cool. We actually have a record of it in Luke chapter 5, which is a biography of Jesus' life, the Son of God. He says this, um, Luke writes this about Peter and Jesus. He says, when he had finished speaking, which is Jesus, he said to Simon, who is Peter? Kind of confusing sometimes in the Bible. Some people have two names. A lot of times God changes their name, changes the meaning into something great. The word uh, Simon means to listen or to hear. The word Peter means rock. Pretty, pretty cool. Uh, but this is uh, before that whole name change thing happened. So Simon put out into deep water and let out the nets for catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. This is incredible. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. And when they had came, they filled the boat so full that they began to sink. These guys are professional fishermen. They're like, okay, I see you, dude. You just gave this like awesome little message. Uh, I think I know how to fish, but uh, whatever. Let's just throw it over the other side. And then through a miracle, through Jesus, those things fill up so big, the nets begin to break, sink the ships. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knee and said this, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. 
immediately he sees who Jesus is. There's this power, this, this incredible factor about him that's just different than anybody else. He's like, get, get away from me. I'm like, I'm sinful. I can't be by you. You are, you are definitely God in the flesh. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Some uh, translations say from now on, you will fi- be a fisher of men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Peter accepted that eternal call to Christ. He left everything. He was called out of his normal life, called out of just being a fisherman. And now he said, you will fish for people. And he's encountering a different life of of wonder and of joy. And what's cool about this is we're reading the aftermath of that decision. If Peter wouldn't have gotten out of that boat and followed Jesus, this book, 1 Peter, that we're about to read, it wouldn't have been written. He wouldn't have, have followed those steps to follow Jesus and, and encounter God and help start the church. And what's cool is later on, Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. And he's talking to Peter. Peter means rock. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. And it all started with saying yes to Jesus. It's a really cool story. So we talked about the first call, an eternal call to Christ. The second call is a temporary call to an assignment. A temporary call to an assignment. A lot of times you'll hear, like I was talking about before, um, people will say, I I feel called um, to a vocation or I feel called to be a teacher. When you hear the word assignment, don't think of like a test paper to turn in or a grade or a a project, all right? Think think vocation, think a season of life. And uh, a lot of times we'll see in scripture and also in, in our lives that God will call us to do certain things, to be in a season of life. God called me, I believe, to be here in Wilmington and to be a minister and to um, just disciple and lead you guys in worship as well. But the, this last call that we're talking about, so we have the first one, an eternal call to Christ. The second one, God calls us to a temporary assignment. This third one that we're going to be talking about mostly today is a daily call to a different standard. God calls us to a daily call to a different standard, and that standard is to be like Jesus. And I understand maybe not everybody in this room sees eye to eye with that. Maybe um, you're trying to figure out still who Jesus is, where you stand in relation with church and God and, and your life. Um, maybe you've, you've been a Christian for a while or, or you've accepted Jesus uh, just here recently. And I've, either way, wherever you are in your faith, this sermon, this talk is going to be great for you to understand and see what God is calling us to do, but more importantly, who he calls us to be as Christians, as his children, as his people. Who does God call us to be? Who does God call you to be as a Christian? And the thing we need to recognize with this daily call to a different standard, which is often misconstrued, is that Christianity is not a temporary call to an assignment. Christianity is not, hey God, all right, I think I got everything right. Here's my paper. I hope it's an A and then walk out. It's not like that. It's not a transaction in this moment. We're like, all right, I did that. I'm done. I'm I'm a Christian. That's, That's all I have to do. Christianity is a daily call to a different standard. Jesus says this, um, uh, Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, again, the biography of Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to follow me, whoever wants to accept my teaching must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me or my sake will save it. 
What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, the whole entire world, and yet forfeit or lose their very self? The daily call of following Jesus is simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it is not easy. It's, it's, a, it's an uphill life. It's an uphill journey, but it's so worth it. So like I said, we're going to be studying the book of 1 Peter and working through this call to a different standard. And if you brought your Bibles this morning, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, if you don't have a Bible, um, we had some on a table as you walked in. They're free uh, for you. If you don't have a good readable Bible, please pick up one of those. They're a free gift to you. You could also uh, find uh, an app on your phone called um, Uversion or the Bible app. It's a great, great resource. We'll also have it on the screen here. But we like to look here at Venture to the Bible for the answers to life's most important questions. We believe that God's word has power. We believe that God's word is truth. And so we're going to look to that for truth this morning in that regard. So 1 Peter chapter 2, we're in the study. Um, Chris talked about uh, uh, kind of setting up the um, setting up this book and the history behind it. But just a quick little recap. Here's where we are in time. Jesus, God in the flesh, came. He was born. He died just like he said he would. He rose from the grave just like he said he would. He ascended into heaven just like he said he would. And before he did that, he left everybody, all Christians, with a calling saying, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all I have commanded, commanded you. And therefore, I'll be with you forever until the end of the age. He left them with this assignment saying, all right, I want you to make disciples of all nations. And so they start doing that. The church starts forming. It's built on Peter. And they start having services and times of meeting together and breaking bread together. And, and life change is happening. The book of Acts has said that within the church that uh, they were so, uh, so uh, taking care of each other. They loved each other so much that there was no need found. That they just shared. They said, oh, you need, you need something? I've got extra. I'll give it to you. And this incredible movement starts happening. But what happened was is that everybody on the outside was like, dude, this is weird. These people like telling each other they love each other and they're calling themselves brothers and sisters. And like, this is just, this is weird. So since they don't like it, their initial reaction is, I'm gonna tell you to stop doing that. And if you don't stop doing that, then we're gonna start persecuting. We're, we're gonna kill you. And so they start doing that. Like these, these outsiders are persecuting Christians for what they believe in and say, if you don't denounce your faith, like, we're going to stone you in the street. It's a terrible thing that's happening. But these Christians, they're taking it literally. They're saying, all right, I'm going to lose my life for Jesus' sake because I truly believe that it's greater for me to do that than to just turn in and not follow Jesus. And so Peter is reminding uh, these, this, this church, this people, this, this movement that's happening, he's reminding them in this moment, through these trials of life, you're going to forget who you are sometimes. I know in, in my life, there's times where I'm in the thick of it or there's these struggles and I just kind of forget who I am. I forget the teachings that my mom and dad have poured into me. I forget the teachings of the word and I just forget who I am. And you may have been in that too where just trials happen and you're kind of just, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I know better. Why did I do that? It's just because sometimes we just forget and we need reminders and that's exactly what Peter is doing here in 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 9, let's read this. Reminding us as a church, reminding the people that he's uh, writing to. He's saying this about them. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, God's special possession. He's writing to the church. This is applicable to us as well. We are a church. He's saying, 
You are a chosen people. You are chosen by God, the creator of the universe. God has chosen you for a purpose. You are his people. It's incredible. He says you are a royal priesthood. Now to the uh, uh, present day people that he's writing to, this would mean a lot. This would mean like something really big, like, wait, you're, you're calling me a priest what no i'm not i'm not like that like priests were respected revered were honored and and so to be called a royal priesthood it really was fulfilling it meant a lot and god is calling his people this he's saying you are chosen you are a royal priesthood you are a holy nation that word holy like logan talked about means set apart and it's set apart for god's purpose nation it's like god's kingdom God's kingdom set apart for him. You are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's people, God's very own special possession. In God's eyes, you are a special possession. Have you guys ever had like a special possession, a little stuffed animal as a kid? Maybe? No? Okay. I'm the only one. Okay, this is weird. So this story is going to be really awkward. Um, when I was uh, like maybe two to like four, um, I really, really loved Barney. Any Barney fans in the house? Barney the Purple Dinosaur? Yeah, awesome. Um, I had this this uh, Purple Barney Dinosaur uh, thing, um, and uh, there was this really cool feature. If you squeeze his hand, he'd say something like, <clears throat> and Barney language or something. I don't, I don't even remember what it said. Probably something really nice. Um, and uh, eventually I pressed it so much, the battery started dying. And I realized that if I bite the hand, like it would kind of say those words. But since the battery was still kind of dying, it was like, ah, get really low and weird. And so I just kept biting it, biting it, trying to get it to say, and eventually it just stopped working. And it was like, I had my slobber all over it. But that thing, that purple bite Barney uh, stuffed animal, that was special to me. I took it with me everywhere. I pressed that button all the time. Whenever we went in the car, it was with me. When I went to sleep, it was with me. It just, it, it was valuable to me. I don't even know why. I have no clue why, but for some reason, that was special to me. If you guys have had that, you know, like if somebody else looked at that purple uh, party, like you'd be like, that's just a stuffed animal. To me, it meant something. And God is saying to his people, to his church, you are my very own special possession. People in this world may look at you funny. They may look at you weird, think you're different. But you, in, in my eyes, you're my special possession. You you're a royal priesthood. You're my holy nation. I chose you. Let's keep reading. So we have not, uh, verse 9, you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you didn't have identity, once you didn't have purpose, you didn't have value, but now you have identity, you have purpose. You're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And when this, with this daily call to a different standard, we need to recognize when you know who you are, you will know what to do. A lot of times we get stuck on the what to do part. I get in this too. I get pigeonholed or just uh, have these blinders up and I'm trying to figure out what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? What should I do to become a better person of this? What should I do? And, or or should, should I take this job? I don't know. Should, should I move away? Should I do these things? And we, we get wrapped up in this. We need to recognize that God's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. be still, be still and know that I am God. 
Be still. Know, know who you are in me first. Know that, that you are my chosen generation. Know that you, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Before you start doing stuff, recognize who you represent. I'm the everlasting God. I'm the creator of the universe. I'm backing you up. I'm on your side. I'm fighting your battles. All right, so when you walk through these trials in life, we need to find our identity in God. But the truth is, a lot of times we don't find our identity in God. And I am the first to tell you I have been through that myself. Um, a lot of times our identity is found in experiences and things shape us in life. And a, a little bit about myself, I, I grew up in a Christian home. I was raised in the church um, by um, my mom and, and, and father. And um, I, to say the least, I had, I had a good life. I know a lot of people um, didn't have good parents. I was very, very blessed in that regard to have a good mom and dad to raise me. And um, one experience that really shaped me into who I am today, a big part of that is my father passed away when I was 12 years old. He died of cancer, and that was a tragic event, and it, it led me to a place of questioning, of soul-seeking, of figuring out what is going on in this life, and, and um, it, was, it was a big challenge for me, and maybe you've, you've lost a family member or had an event like that, and it shapes you. It, it kind of uh, either builds you up or it kind of tears you down, and you, whatever, you just keep moving on, and through middle school and high school, um, I got picked on a lot. Uh, I'm a skinny dude still to this day, and I can't help it. I eat an immense amount of food, an immense amount of food. But, um, but still, I, I can't gain weight. That's just who I am. I've accepted that. That's fine. But in middle school and high school, people didn't get that, and they picked on me, probably because of an insecurity of their own. And uh, if you've seen Napoleon Dynamite, you know that scene where like, the guy's walking through the, uh, through the uh, hallway in, in class and pushes him against the locker, and Napoleon's like, <clears throat> and kicks him. Like that, that moment, like that would happen to me, literally. People would just push me around. They'd call me uh, small or a pushover. And, and it kind of made me feel like I was small. It made me feel like I was a pushover. Like I didn't have a say in things. And I've changed a lot since then because I found my identity in Christ. And no, I'm not small. In Him, I'm strong. In Him, I mean something. In Him, I have value. So you can call me small all day, but whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> and uh, so they didn't have the right to call me those things, but I let those words affect me. I let those words change who I was. And that struggle of finding out who we are, that struggle of, of finding our identity, it's real. What's funny is, is it's only a struggle for humans. Only a struggle for humans. Like squirrels, they're just squirrels. Like they're just... The nibbling acorns, like climb up trees, they're just squirrels. Like, like dogs, they're just dogs. Like they're just, like I don't know, pets. They're just, they're great. Like Gatorades, just Gatorade. Like roses, just roses. Like the humans, are, like we're the only ones that have to struggle with who we are and our identity. And I truly believe that the reason for that is because we are made in God's image, and in God, He is spirit. And there's this thing different about humans that we have a spiritual side of us that is, is uh, working against and in, in tandem with the flesh. And so God created us to worship him. God created us to love him. God created us to serve him. And the times that we don't and the times we listen to the world, it creates friction and it, it messes with our head. And uh, there's this internal battle that just goes on constantly and we feel that discomfort and discontent with our circumstances. We start blaming it on the people for... Uh, 
us feeling bad about ourselves, but truly it's because we haven't found the rock. We haven't found our identity and what we really should be putting our identity in. A lot of times uh, we, we think if, if I get a better job, if I have, if I have more money, if, if I had just a better house or a, a better car or this thing, then I will feel some purpose. I'll feel some dignity. I'll feel X. I mean, enter it in. We have, we have struggles. We deal with that. If, if, I, if I felt better about myself, then I could do these things. And that's the wrong way of thinking about that. And that's a dangerous place to be because the truth is, is that the world cannot fulfill that hole. God is the only one that can fill that hole, that can give us that purpose and that calling because he's the one created us. He's the one that knows us inside and out. He's the one that has given us that standard that we should live by. So we need to recognize that our identity shouldn't come from the things of this world. It shouldn't come from that. It needs to be founded in who we are in God's eyes. Isaiah 43 says this. God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah. This is incredible. God says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you over. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Notice he says, when you pass through the fire, when you pass through those waters, these trials are coming, they've hit, you're in them, whatever it is, in those moments, God's saying, I have summoned you by name, I am with you, you are mine, you are my very own special possession. So who does God say that we are? First Peter 2.9 We are his chosen people, his chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation set apart. His kingdom is set apart for him. We are his very own special possession. He has redeemed us and summoned us by name. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. When we find our identity in Christ and know he calls me one, he calls me his, he calls me his special possession, then we can continue on and know what to do. 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's continue reading through this, this uh, series in this book. So verse 9, uh, we're chosen, royal priesthood, holy nation, all of that. Verse 10, he says this, once you were not a people, now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So he gives this who first. He says, here's who you are in God's eyes. Then he says, all right, here's what to do. Abstain from sinful desires. This is tough. As humans, it's not our natural tendency to move away from sin. Our flesh desires that. Paul says this in a great way. He's uh, uh, writing to the church in Galatia. In Galatians 5, he says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, Galatians 5, 16, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. This call, this daily call to a different standard is in conflict 
with our spirit and our flesh. And so we have to recognize that, that as we continue to find who we are in Christ, there's going to be some things that are going to butt heads with one another. There's going to be some desires that uh, aren't going to coincide with, with what God wants. It's going to create some friction. But the truth is, is that this is a life that God designed us to live by. These are the standards that he, he asked us to live by because he knows this is what's best for you. Here's how I designed you. So abstain from those sinful desires which wage war against your very soul. They're not good for you, so stay away from them. After uh, Galatians 5, we're not gonna read that this morning, but after Galatians 5, 16, he goes on to like all these things, desires of the flesh, and he talks about the fruit of the spirit. If you haven't heard that, read that. It's an incredible, incredible way just to see in pictures of how our flesh acts and how the spirit acts and how uh, we should work uh, towards uh, being like Jesus. Verse 12 says this, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Notice here Peter doesn't say, hey, tell those people that are accusing you of doing wrong, hey, tell them they're, they're wrong for accusing you. Uh, tell them that they need to believe what you believe, like they're wrong for believing something else. No, he doesn't say that at all. He says, uh, Though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Jesus says this as well. He says, if one man strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other. If one man needs your shirt, give him the jacket off your back too. If if your neighbor needs you to go a mile, go the second as well. It's not just one upping. It's it's we we believe as Christians that it's truly more blessed to give than to receive. And this, this uh, lifestyle is an upside-down kingdom. A lot of times uh, through social media and different things, the church is uh, more known for what we're against than what we're for. Peter's saying, no, like we shouldn't just be known for what we're against. He's saying we should be known for what we're for, what we stand for, that we give because we believe that it's more joyful to give and bless people. No, you, you need something? All right, I'm giving it to you. That's fine. You need my time? All right, I'm giving it to you. Like we truly believe that the way that Jesus asks us to live is the best way to live. And a lot of times the church gets known for the things that we're against, those sinful desires. And that's not the way that it should be because people's lives are changed by who we are, not what we say we're against. Say, no, I'm, I'm for you. I, I love you. I'm, I'm here for you. I've got your back. That's what changes people's lives. God's spirit moving through those moments. I really uh, personally enjoy um, just personal growth. Um, I like reading leadership books. I like um, reading uh, different leadership books or listening to leadership podcasts and stuff like that. And there's one uh, website called entreleadership.com. If you own a business or if you are a leader of a different group uh, of people at work or whatever you're, you're involved in, I really encourage you to check out Entree leadership. It takes the word entrepreneur, the word leader, put it together. Entree leader, um, and it's it's an incredible resource. And this one podcast I was listening to, uh, just trying to to help myself uh, grow as as a leader for uh, for venture and for whatever in life. Um, this guy named John Maxwell. John Maxwell is an incredible, incredible uh, author and uh, a leader. He's a great speaker and everything. If you haven't listened to him, check that out as well. But he says this about personal growth. He says, growth is not automatic. You don't just automatically get better. If you want to grow, you're going to have to do it intentionally. 
I know it's simple. It may not be this most profound thing. You're like, oh my gosh, that changed my life. Um, but to me, that, that meant a lot. Like growth is not automatic. And a lot of times in life, I think it is. Like I assume I just go to work. I'm going to put in 40 hours. I'm going to grow. It's going to happen. Or I'm going to live life with my wife and uh, try, you know, just uh, whatever. And it's just going to happen. We're going to get better at marriage. Or I'm just going to come to church every Sunday and I'm just going to grow towards the Lord. It's going to happen. I'm going to listen. It's great. Like growth is not automatic. We have to be intentional and we have to have a plan ahead because it's not just going to happen. You're not just going to become a better husband or, or spouse or a better, uh, better couple, a better person in life just going through life. You have to be intentional and growing and put that time uh, towards growing. And it's the same way with our relationship with God. We have to have a plan set in motion. We have to have uh, an understanding of who God is, who we are in God's eyes, and why. And that really helps sculpt us to know what to do. Jesus is calling each and every one of you to a different standard. He's calling each and every one of you to a life filled with purpose you cannot even fathom. He's calling you to a life of dignity, of, of integrity, of character. No job title, income, reward comes close to the life that God is calling us to. And it's nowhere near normal. Nowhere near normal. It's completely different. Some people call it crazy, but I call it a life worth living. It's worth everything. It's the life that you and I were created for. It is not the easiest life, but it is the most rewarding. You will have to give up some desires of your heart, but you will definitely find desire in his presence far greater. You won't always fit in, but you will definitely won't care because your identity will be found in the creator and not in man. You won't always have the nicest things in life, but you will definitely have contentment and his grace. And you won't always be able to do what you want to do, but you'll find a calling so deep down that you won't care about what you used to do. You only look forward and see what great things have yet to come through the life that Jesus has called us to live. And this life is, is uh, like I said, it causes friction in, in our normal daily lives. It, it is different. And Paul writes this in a, in a great way to help uh, put this vision and how Jesus is on our side and helping us with this walk. He writes this to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. This is one of my favorite verses ever in the Bible. But he said to me, he being Jesus, Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. World, throw whatever you want at me because I am not founded in you. I am founded in Christ. My identity comes from him. He calls me by name. He knows who I am. I am chosen by him. I am his royal priesthood. I am his holy nation, God's very special possession. In my weaknesses, I am strong. God's grace Jesus' grace is sufficient for us. It's an upside-down kingdom. Our gains do not come from man or from things of this world. Our gains come from Christ. Earlier I was sharing you know, stories about how my parents sculpted me, um, making me the man I am to this day. And um, I love 
you know, moments where uh, my mom or dad would say those three words, Richard, Aaron, Collins. Um, if your parents say that, that's really, really good. I don't know what it is about just your full name, but it just like freaked the mess out of me all the time. Um, but my dad often would call me best buddy. It was something uh, between us that was just different than, than anybody else. Nobody else called me best buddy. It was just me and him. And I called him best buddy back. And it was, it was, it was our thing. It meant something to me how, how he, he called me something special. He, he didn't call anybody else that. It was reserved for me and me only. And uh, this nameplate is uh, something that he gave me. His dad gave it to him and he gave it to me. We have the same initials, R-A-C. And on the back right here, I don't know if you can see it, it says Best Buddy, and it says Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. And this one time, um, I was just uh, in my room. I can't remember what I was doing, but I was just hitting that wall like we hit in life, you know, just struggling. I, I didn't really know uh, where my goals were. I didn't know what I was doing in life, and kind of just holding that, I turned it around, and I never really took the time to read that verse on the back of that nameplate. And this verse has really, really helped sculpt me as a man, has really helped sculpt me and see who God is, who I am in his eyes, and know what to do. And I want to share that with you this morning, and I hope that it brings the same power that it brought me in these moments. And I still turn to it all the time. God says this through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, he says this, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Friends, when you know who God is, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, you will know what he calls you, his, his prized possession, the chosen people, You'll know who you are in them. And then and only then will you truly know what to do. What are my next steps in life? I don't know. Who are you? What does God say you are? I'm God's chosen person. Okay, well, can you still live like God's chosen person in that life? Yeah, okay, go do it. Cool, that's fine. But you need to know who you are first before you can know what to do. Friends, nothing in this life comes without a price. Nothing good in this life comes without a price. The journey through walking with Jesus is not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. It's uphill. It's an uphill journey. It's worth it. It's up at the top of the mountain. It's something great. It's salvation. It's heaven. Being in God's presence for eternity. Being washed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus it's an amazing thing. It's so worth it. You'll go farther in life than you have ever gone in the life of Jesus. But recognizing that this life, through Christianity, even just growing as, as human beings, just recognizing that it's uphill is half the battle. Because the truth is, most of the time, I'm guilty of this as well, that we have these uphill hopes, we have uphill dreams, we have this uphill destiny that we see, and then we have downhill habits. And we have downhill habits. We're saying, all right, I have these goals, I have these dreams, but I'm going to keep going this way. And you're going down the mountain. 
You can't go up the mountain one day on Sunday morning and go down the other six days and expect to get to the top of the mountain. You can't do it. You can't. It is a daily call to a different standard. If you want to be like Jesus, if you want to accept this calling, it's got to be a daily calling. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. None of us are perfect. That's what Jesus brings his grace. But we can't have habits that continue to pull us down and pull us down and be surprised why we're not getting better and our marriages aren't growing and our families aren't growing and we're not getting better at work because our habits are pulling us down. So, Here's what I want to kind of guide us to this morning. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we're chosen. We are his royal priesthood, holy nation. That's who we are. That's who we can find our identity in Christ. That's who we are as his creation. It doesn't need to stop there. This, this battle of this uphill and downhill habits is real. It's real for all of us. There's, there are things in this life that pull us down, whether small, whether big, you know what's going on in your heart. God knows what's going on in your heart. And I want to I kind of lead us to this place before we go into a time of communion and spending time with the Lord. That if you have not taken that step to accept that daily call, if you've been coming to church, you've been going uphill one day of the week and going downhill the other six, if you're still having this struggle of, I, just, I don't know who I am, I don't know uh, what's going on in this world, I want to encourage you to pinpoint the reason why you keep procrastinating on following Jesus, why you keep pushing it off, why the six days don't matter and only this one day matters. I want you to pinpoint what is holding you back, what are you procrastinating on. My challenge for you during this time as we take communion is to take it to the Lord. Through first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul, Paul pleads, before we, that verse we read, Paul pleads to the Lord. He says, God, take this away from me. Take this away from me. Three times he says, God, please take this away from me. And Jesus gives him those words. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So if you're weak right now, if you're in this place and you need a helping hand, I want you to know that we got your back. This church has got your back. Because we're all on the same road, whether we're higher up the mountain or lower on the mountain, we're on the same road to help people find their calling and purpose in the Lord, find purpose in Jesus. So if you're here and you're still struggling with that, during communion, I have two challenges. One is just talk with the Lord. He's listening to you. You're his very own special possession. Of course, he's going to take time to spend with you. Of course, he's going to listen to you. Of course, he's going to want to help you and love you and care for you. So talk to him. Just in your seat, maybe quietly. Don't even get up. You don't even have to. Just, just sit there and say, God, I have some downhill habits that are just taking me places I don't want them to. But God, I see that, that you have a life that's better for me, so just, God, help me with that. I'd reveal some things to me that I'm struggling with. Reveal some things that can, that can help me go farther up the mountain. Just talk with them. And my second challenge for you is this. is a little bit more bold is to get up and either talk to myself or one of our spiritual leaders that would be uh, at our church that would be standing here by the exits. If you just want somebody to talk and pray for you, pray with you, give you some advice. If you just need, you're hitting this, this milestone in life and maybe you have some, some jobs ahead or, or a, a family change or a life change and you need somebody to pray for you or just give you some advice, we have some very, very wise leaders at our church that would love to help you. That would love to help, help you find your calling, find your purpose in Christ. Because his life is too short just to wander and think that growth is automatic. 
It's not. We need an intentional plan. And so be intentional this morning and get up and make a decision to get rid, remove that distraction, remove those procrastinating thoughts and take that leap of faith and follow Jesus. If you have accepted the call to follow Jesus, if you're here in this room, you claim yourself as a Christian, my question for you is this. How are you sharing the life-shaping love of Jesus? How are your good deeds reflecting the kingdom of God? How are you sharing your life with somebody? Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, before uh, the Holy Spirit came down, Jesus said that, that uh, it, was, it was better if he left and the Holy Spirit came down than him being on this earth. And so through that, he said, um, the thing that I said earlier, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all I've commanded you to do. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. If you know your identity is found in Christ and you call him your Lord and Savior, then how are you sharing that with people? How are you following up and saying, all right, God, even though I'm not perfect, even though I've still got my struggles, even though my weaknesses, I know your grace is, is bigger, your grace is better, so I need to share it with people. I need to help them find their call in life. So that's my challenge to you. If you are a Christian, you profess the name of Jesus, how are you sharing in love and generosity in relationships? The purpose of the church, God's holy nation, is not just to grow closer to him, it's to grow closer with the world. We exist to spread God's life. I have chosen you. I call you a royal priesthood, a holy nation, my very own special possession. Why? That I have called you out of darkness and into wonderful light. Once you were not a people, you had no identity, you had no purpose, but now in my eyes, in my life, and in, in, in what I set forth before you, what I have created you to do, now you have purpose, you have destiny. So please, if you want to come talk to me, get some advice, talk to our leaders, do that. Um, and uh, if, if you're a Christian, who are you sharing that with in this life? I'd love to say a prayer for us before we continue on with this service. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for First Peter. I thank you for Peter. Man, what a, what a bold move. A fisherman, everything he knew. Everything he knew he left in that moment. Said Jesus, you're you're worth more than than my vocation right now. You're worth more than me being comfortable on this boat. So he left everything and he followed you. And now we are edified by those words that Peter wrote to the church. Father, I pray this morning that those words, being chosen, being a royal priesthood, being a holy nation, your very own special possession, God, I pray that we can understand those words. And allow them to affect us in a way where it hits us at the core of our identity. That the world does not define us. Our past does not define us. But your grace, your love, who you call us to be, who you have created us to be. That's where I'm found. That's where contentment is. That's where purpose is in this drive in life. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. That we could come and uh, just be in community. The truth is, is that none of us have this life all figured out, but some of us know a little bit more than others. And so I pray that, that this wisdom, this knowledge, this advice can just be shared amongst our church and we can build each other up in love and challenge each other to spread your name farther and farther. I love you so much, Lord, and I ask all these things in your wonderful and precious name. Amen.